Hello, and welcome to a special edition of Movie Night. I'm Harry Kaysen, here in the press room at the 25th annual Provincetown International Film Festival. I'm seeing multiple films here at this fantastic exhibition, and I'll be reviewing five new films today. I'll also have several interviews with some of the movers and shakers here at the festival, a uniquely colorful event here in one of the most uniquely colorful towns on beautiful, unique Cape Cod. Welcome to Movie Night. Greetings. As I said, I'm Harry Kaysen, and this is Movie Night here on 92.1 WOMR and 91.3 WFMR. I'm a knight, K-N-I-G-H-T, a defender of the realm, as it were, one who appreciates, even occasionally reveres, the art of cinema. After having spent my career in Hollywood as a writer-director, though now I happily reside here in lovely Cape Cod. My opinions are mine alone, and as always, I won't be handing out negative reviews on this program, knowing firsthand how challenging it can be to bring a film to life. I only want to praise the works I'm most fond of. The fact that this is only a half-hour show is part of the reason I can only address a mere handful of movies, but they're all wonderful. This episode, I'll have early reviews of films that are playing at the Provincetown International Film Festival. They are I Am a Town, Theater Camp, Taylor Mac's 24-decade history of popular music, The Space Race, and the one film that's my favorite here at this event. I'm keeping that title a secret for the moment, hoping to keep you tuned in. As a bonus, I'll be interviewing the writer-director of that impressive film, so please stay tuned for that. For those who were unable to make it to the festival, I can tell you firsthand it was a very exciting and very well-attended event. The logistics were staggering, showing multiple films per day at five separate venues. The staff of the festival were engaging and well-informed, and the army of volunteers were cheerful, welcoming, and superhumanly tireless. They did themselves proud. Anyway, on with the films. Okay, our first film is entitled I Am a Town. It was directed by the artist Misha Richter and was produced by Ryan Hawk, Emily Mortimer, and Lizzie Nastro. It was the very first film shown here at the Provincetown International Film Festival, and rightly so, as it's Mr. Richter's love letter to Provincetown. This is a non-scripted film, and it might fall into the documentary category, though I found it far more expressive and even artistic than most documentaries, an art-umentary, perhaps. It all takes place in Provincetown, Massachusetts, of course, and let me say from the start, it's mesmerizing, lyrical, funny, poignant, and very affectionate toward its subject matter. We're taken on a sort of unguided tour of various Provincetown locales, and we meet many different local people on the way. Some in their homes, some on the streets, some going about their daily lives in a very matter-of-fact way. The cinematography is uniformly excellent, though uniform is a word I use hesitantly because there's really nothing uniform about this film or about Provincetown. There's a leisurely quality to this whole piece that's very inviting. For example, in one sequence, we drop in on a family as they discuss, very unselfconsciously, their daily lives and their relationships, almost as though we as the viewer are invisible, seeing real people living their real lives. The Stream of Consciousness Foundation works wonderfully well in a town that is a wonderful amalgam of 
working folks, tourists, artists, retirees, and such, I feel Mr. Richter is just the right person to tell this delightfully disparate and ultimately very poetic story. Is there a plot? No. Do we care about the people we're eavesdropping on? Absolutely. The radio station WOMR, the founder of the feast, as it were, the place my broadcast emanates from, is in the heart of Provincetown. I've only recently come on board here, and though I've been coming to the Cape for 25 years and now live here full-time, I've never really appreciated P-Town as much as I do now, as much as I do every time I return. And this film, I Am a Town, helped me embrace the diversity and artistic scope of this quirky, haunting, and magnificent locale. There's a good case here to refer to certain films as a work of art. That is certainly the case here. But it's not stuffy, museum-bound art, but it's living, breathing, embraceable art. I loved it, as did the audience I viewed it with. Big round of applause at the end. Okay, next up is Theater Camp. It was directed by Molly Gordon and Nick Lieberman, and it was written by Noah Galvin, Molly Gordon, and Nick Lieberman. It stars Ben Platt, Molly Gordon, Noah Galvin, and Jimmy Tatro. As a side note, the film I just reviewed, I Am a Town, was the first film shown at the festival, and this was the last film shown, out of over 50 full-length films and 50 short films. Did I see them all? Well, I saw quite a few. Anyway, Theater Camp is a comedy, a gleeful, unapologetic romp about a bunch of kids and their semi-adult counselors at a financially challenged summer camp for theatrically inclined kids. Ben Platt and Molly Gordon play the role of counselors who will be writing and staging an original musical by the time camp has ended in three weeks, a show they haven't even written yet. Those of you who have any experience with theater on any level know that kind of goal is practically unattainable, but that's where the comedy comes in. Jimmy Tatro plays the 20-something owner's son, clueless about the ways of theater and who believes he has the answer to save the camp. It's a very lame answer, and one that only complicates everyone's efforts. Poor, dumb bastard. Meanwhile, the kid actors in this movie are all great. Some of them are purposely, hmm, how can I say this without getting into trouble, Disney-fied, for lack of a better term. That means they've had way too much training at way too early an age and come off as slick and creepy with a capital S and capital C. As a side note, I produced a film some years ago where we needed a preteen boy for the lead. We were in L.A., so during the audition process, we had to weed through a lot of Disney-fied kids, always with their moms right by their side, pushing them on. Some of the moms even wanted to get on stage with them. Yikes. Not that Disney isn't a fine marquee. It is. It's just that kids who come off as overprocessed hams tend to be labeled with that unfortunate name. By the way, we ended up going with a great kid with almost no experience, but with a very natural demeanor. In the movie Theater Camp, there are a number of kids that fall into that very likable category, I'm relieved to say. Now, this entire nutty enterprise is in the Waiting for Guffman, mostly ad-lib category, the Oh My God Did They Just Say That category, which is fine by me. I found it very funny, without being mean, fairly endearing, as it's really a let's put on a show and save the camp movie. How can you not hope for the best for these troopers? I saw this with a sold-out crowd at the town hall, and to say it played well would be an understatement. If the audience had been drinking water, there would have been a room full of spit takes numerous times. Ben Platt is spot on as the harried director, and Molly Gordon is absolutely wonderful as his headstrong assistant director who longs for her absolute dream job of being in the dancing chorus on a cruise ship. You dream big, girl. 
As the great Glenda Jackson once remarked, acting is a terrible life. It's overcrowded and underserved, end quote. Ain't it the truth, Glenda? It all goes to say that at the end of the day, you're really rooting for these misfits. And who in the theater or film world isn't a misfit anyway? (laughs) You're listening to one. Theater Camp is due to be released in theaters July 14th. So have some fun. Go see this most amusing, quite affectionate little opus. This is Movie Night, and I'm Harry Kaysen, here on this first Monday of July 2023, and every first Monday of the month at 12.30 p.m. here on 92.1 WOMR Provincetown, Mass., and WFMR 91.3 Orleans, Mass., and streaming worldwide on www.womr.org. All right. The next offering is The Space Race. It was directed by Lisa Cortez and Diego Hurtado de Mendoza and was written by Mark Monroe. This is a National Geographic documentary, which means it's made with all the care and creativity that brand is known for. This film follows the careers and destinies of BIPOC astronauts exclusively. It's told directly from their point of view in their voices, relating their personal stories and experiences. We meet the very first black candidate for astronauthood, Edward Dwight, who was chosen by JFK himself. We also see how Dwight unwittingly and unfortunately became a political pawn after Kennedy was killed, and we see the turmoil the entire space program went into. This is all cataloged by extensive archival footage and a number of interviews with the major players of the day. We're also introduced to Guion Bluford, who was the first black American in space. We see his determination, his supreme qualifications, and his achievements. There's also Ronald McNair, who tragically perished in the Challenger disaster. There's Frederick Gregory, an astronaut who went on to become acting NASA administrator in 2005. And there's Mae Jemison, who in 1992 became the first American woman of color to go into space. This is all first-person history, and these are all dynamic and supremely accomplished people. BIPOC or not, female or male, we see it ultimately doesn't matter when we're dealing with such talent and intelligence. America is supposed to be a meritocracy, right? We're supposed to be judged on our qualifications, talents, and sheer gumption. It's fantastic to be reminded there are some arenas besides sports where that is the major criteria. Not that there's anything wrong with sports, but it's not rocket science. And there was an added bonus for me in that we see Nichelle Nichols and the tremendous work she did for NASA. Nichelle Nichols, better known as the original Uhura in the original Star Trek, became an ambassador for NASA, spearheading the movement to encourage people of color to engage with the space program. On a personal note, I was privileged to have met the gorgeous and brilliant Ms. Nichols a few years before she passed. I was at an industry event and she was having lunch at a table near mine. I couldn't help myself, having been a lifelong fan, and I approached her table, apologetically praising her for her role not only in Star Trek, but encouraging kids to study science and stay in school by portraying the fine character she portrayed in that show. She was very kind to this interloper of her lunch, graciously thanking me for my appreciation. And she looked like a million dollars, superstar that she was. In watching the space race, I was grateful to the filmmakers for highlighting her and her efforts. She could have walked away from Star Trek, but was encouraged to stick it out personally by Martin Luther King Jr. 
I want to mention in other movies about this topic and other interviews I've heard, every single American astronaut who is a woman of color all cite Ms. Nichols as their number one inspiration. Though I'm not a person of color, I was struck with the universality of this story, inspired by those that hear a calling, a calling from the stars in this case, regardless of whatever social barriers may exist, to have to leap over extra hurdles just to risk your life for your country and for the betterment of mankind, that makes them heroes all, I say. This is a stirring, engaging, emotionally rewarding film, fit for the whole family, every family, America at its best. It'll be available soon on Disney Plus under the National Geographic marquee. And now, I'm honored to say I have an interview with the artistic director of the Provincetown International Film Festival, Ms. Lisa Viola. We're at a press party at the festival itself, so the sound will be a bit raw, but clearly Ms. Viola is used to fielding questions wherever the press can track her down. Here we go. Okay, I am standing here with Lisa Viola. She is the... Artistic director of the ah. Provincetown International Film Festival. And are you the one responsible for uh, choosing the films, or at least partly so? I am one of the people responsible. We have a four-person programming team. It's myself, Andrew Peterson, Valerie Deus programs all of our short films, and Heidi Zwicker also programs the features. Sure, me. sure. Uh, what's been the worst experience so far? The worst experience is the weather. Yeah. <laughs> Today is our garden party, our annual garden party, and normally we are up at Land's End, um, which is the most scenic, beautiful spot to be. Not that we don't love being at the boat slip, but um, so that was the only disappointment is that we had to move the party today just because of the weather. What's the other best, than that, what's the best experience been? The fact that the weather is making everyone want to go see films. Ah. Um, so the last couple of days have been very sunny. People, I've reported uh, people going to the beach instead of some of the films. Today is the day they're going to go see all the movies. Sure. Do you have any favorites yet? Well, I've seen them all, you so have. they're all my favorites. Oh, um, but I can, like tell you, I can tell you um, a few films that you know everyone should should try to, to check out if they have a chance. It's a documentary called Queendom about an artist and activist based in Russia. That's absolutely beautiful. Um, there are films tonight playing called Problemista. Seeing with, that tonight, that's yeah. fantastic. There's a comedy tonight called Joyride. That's a lot of fun. That's great. Um, there's another film called Playland that's screening this evening. Sure. Did you see Taylor Mac last night? I did. Well, I didn't see it last night. I'd seen it previously, seen it. but. Um, were you in the audience when it was played I last night? Not. They went crazy. I heard it was an standing amazing. ovation. That's what I heard. I wish I had been there, yeah. but I got first-hand reports that said it was fantastic. Yeah. You've been involved in this uh, this uh, event for how long? Well, I was here in year one. Oh uh, gosh! When John Waters when was you were our, eleven. When, <laughs> I wish. Uh, I was here for the first year when John Waters was our inaugural filmmaker on the Edge honoree, um, and I'm still here 25 years later. Wonderful. Well, that's all the time I'm going to take of yours. I know you've got a lot of people to meet, a lot of things to do. Thank you so much, and thank you for this festival. Everything I've seen, I just love so far. Oh, thank you. You're Appreciate welcome. it. Okay. Thank you, Ms. Viola, and congratulations on your 25 years of participation. Here's to many more. Up next is Taylor Mac's 24-decade history of popular music. Yes, that's a long title, as it should be, for a concert film wherein the major performer doesn't leave the stage for a full 24 hours. For those unfamiliar, Taylor Mac is a performance artist, singer, and playwright, and he is the recipient of a genius grant from the MacArthur Foundation. Plus, he was a finalist for a Tony and a Pulitzer Prize. 
Plus, he's one hell of a performer, I gotta say. Yes, like I said, he doesn't leave the stage for 24 hours, nor does his orchestra, though he does peel off one fellow performer per hour, so that at the end of the marathon, it's just him on stage, with a ukulele, still singing, still belting, still getting the message across. The film, by the way, is not 24 hours long. It's trimmed down to two hours, edited from multiple cameras, shooting nonstop. What is the message? Hmm, inclusion. Taylor Mac might be referred to as a drag performer. Yes, there's obviously been quite a political stigma that's recently swirled around folks who dress in outrageous attire, but his outfits transcend any logical description or category. Purposely, he's more like a Dr. Seuss creation, an otherworldly being of kaleidoscopic proportions. The costume designer for the show was an insanely creative person with the appropriately out there name of Machine Dazzle, and there were so many costume changes, each more outrageous and flat-out hilarious than the next, that I lost count. Now, there's definitely a gay aspect here, though I'm not of that particular persuasion. I couldn't help but be impressed by Taylor Mac's determination to reach out to the entire very large and very mixed audience, some of whom stuck it out for the full 24 hours, sleeping in the hallways, being served meals together, sometimes being asked on stage for a group participation. The whole thing basically was a trans-dimensional block party being run by a benevolent but clearly insane Mad Hatter who happens to be hilarious with a Broadway-quality voice as he and his gang bring forward one great American standard after another, most of them in sing-along version. Over 200 songs, actually. This film has been picked up by Max, and as of this broadcast, you can view it yourself on Max, which I highly recommend doing. To my way of thinking... Outrageous costumes or not, funny banter or not, this is a tremendous accomplishment that any artist would be proud to have pulled off. Taylor Max says he always promised himself he'd try a 24-hour concert and that he promised himself he would only do it once. This is a record of a promise fulfilled. It's not labored or full of self-aggrandizement. It's a valentine to his audience, which is you and me. When the Full House audience at the Provincetown International Film Festival left the theater together, we were all literally walking on air. And in the movie, Taylor Max said something I may always remember. Quote, the role of the artist is to dream forward the culture. End quote. And now, my final review today of my favorite film here at the festival. It's called A Little Prayer, and it was written and directed by Angus McLaughlin. It stars David Strathairn, Jane Levy, Celia Weston, Will Pullen, and Dasha Polanco. This is the story of a present-day family living in a quiet neighborhood in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina, which is where the writer-director, Mr. McLaughlin, lives himself. We follow a family headed by Mr. Strathairn as the patriarch Bill, as he helms the family and the family business, a small manufacturing concern. It's a workaday world for these folks, and from the get-go we see that he and his wife are very close to their daughter-in-law, Tammy, played by Jane Levy. Tammy and their son David, played by Will Pullen, live in a back house on the property, and she's a welcome, cheerful presence to her in-laws, because basically she's a ray of sunshine. Her husband David is an employee at the family business, and he's a vet who's also dealing with a form of PTSD. 
The crux of the story revolves around secrets within the family that threaten them all, and especially Tammy. We see the relationship between the dad-in-law, Bill, and his beloved daughter-in-law, Tammy. We see it develop and expand, and it's clear he's trying his best to protect this young lady any way he can, sometimes with painfully clumsy tactics, as well-meaning parents often do. There are no car chases, no explosions, practically no profanity, no nudity. What was Mr. McLaughlin thinking when he put this film together? Well, he was obviously thinking about his own family and how he personally would react if a loved one of his was in danger or in pain. That, to me, is the reason to see this film, for its emotional reality and seeing people stumble through life, doing their best to try and help each other. Mr. Strathairn is superb as the father, Bill. You'll remember him as the Secretary of State Seward to Daniel Day-Lewis Lincoln in the movie of the same name. Mr. Strathairn also starred as Edward R. Murrow in Good Night and Good Luck, a phrase I've appropriated from my sign-offs, by the way. It's always exciting for me to see a great actor come through in a finely nuanced role of great depth. That's certainly the case here. Speaking of great actors, Jane Levy is tremendous here. She recently played the title role in the TV show Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist on ABC. Ms. Levy is what used to be called incandescent. And the reason it used to be category is because there just aren't many actors out there these days who fully embody that glow-from-within quality. She's beautiful, touching, and real, much like the character writer-director Angus McLaughlin wrote for a young Amy Adams in his script for Junebug some years back. The audience I saw this movie with was moved to tears, and at the end there was thunderous applause, as well there should have been. Mr. McLaughlin was at that screening, and he held a Q&A after the movie played. Almost everyone who came forward to ask Mr. McLaughlin a question instead used their time to personally thank him for making this gentle, tremendously heartfelt movie that moved us all. And as an added bonus, I was actually able to pull Mr. McLaughlin aside right after the screening for a brief interview. If I sound a bit starstruck when I speak to him, it's because of my admiration for an artist and filmmaker I am impressed by. Here is the brief interview. And we're here with Angus McLaughlin. I just watched his film, A Little Prayer. Uh, I was completely moved by it. And I was also moved by what you said to some of the audience members as you were being uh, interviewed in the Q&A. You said you like actors. I love actors. Yeah. Why? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was an actor myself, and I just really respect them. And I feel like, as I said in the Q&A, there are a lot of great movies with non-actors. Um, but for me, a non-actor can only hold one thing, and a trained actor can do more than one thing at the same time, and that's the way I like to portray people. So um, that's why I really love working with really great actors, as I did in this film. That's great. There's quite a bit of spirituality in this movie, and I, I've only seen the other one that you've made, uh, Junebug, which also is very spiritual. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about that a little bit? Uh, about spirituality? Yeah, or about why you would put that in a movie. That's, a, that's kind of a rare move these days, unless you're making something that's, that's, that's very spiritual and, and you know, polit political these days. It's true, it's true. I realize that. You know, I write very unconsciously. I don't write with the idea of, um, of a polit political idea or like I'm going to write something about spirituality. But I do find afterwards that I bring these things up a lot in my film. So it must be just something that, uh, you know, in my unconscious that wants to speak. That's wonderful. And you mentioned you had a daughter. Do you have more than one child? Nope. We have a daughter soon to be 22. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, th did you see anything of your daughter in this movie as you were writing? Did, 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 did her 
did something about her come to mind when you were bringing up the character of uh, the, the uh, daughter-in-law? Not really, no. My daughter's nothing like uh, Jane Levy's character, Tammy. But it's more, I do feel that the David Strathairn character, the father-in-law, his concern and care and desire to do something, I certainly identify with, was, as I said, you know, when you have adult children, you still want to tell them what to do, and you still want to protect them from pain, and 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 you can't eventually. It's they have to live their own life, and how painful that is. That's wonderful. Well, thank you, Mr. Middleton. It's a really touching, moving uh, movie. I think that you'll get a couple of nominations. Well, I think that David Strathairn definitely be nominated. I think that uh, Ms. Levy will be nominated, and I think you might be nominated too. Well, from your mouth to God's ears, and it's supposed to um, come into theaters in late October uh, by Sony Pictures Classics. Oh, that's great. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're so welcome. Thank yeah. you. Well. That's it for this special episode here at the 25th Annual Provincetown International Film Festival. I'd like to thank everyone at the festival for welcoming me, for running such a smoothly efficient series of events, and for bringing together such an eclectic, creative, and ultimately satisfying collection of new movies. I also want to thank the talented Mr. Dunn for his prodigious skills as a producer. I'd like to congratulate Anne Hubble, the executive director of the Provincetown Film Society, and extend a very warm thank you to the festival's creative director, Lisa Viola. I also want to thank the fine writer-director, Angus McLaughlin, for his gracious interview. And for those of you who weren't able to attend this year's event, I know next year's festival will be just as exciting and entertaining as this one was. If you like films, you'll love these films and this program. This is Harry Kaysen, your movie knight, wishing you goodbye and good movies. <laughs>